The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Uh, good to good to be with you today. I do want to encourage you, um, do not go to opcc.com and register for anything, or you will not be registering here because that's not our website. <laughs> it's overlandpark.cc. But anyway, great time. We had a great time throwing axes. How could you not have fun? Uh, throwing axes, and it's good to be uh, back in the pulpit today. I uh, was talking to Jeff earlier uh, before service. I said, I don't think since I've answered the call to preach that I've gone seven weeks without without preaching, and so uh, it was a really cool experience just to step away and uh, listen to the Lord, and, and so I'm, like, I'm not going to today, like, I hope you don't come expecting my first week back that I'm just going to blow you away, all right? With this, like, I was up on the mountain and God said to me, behold, and I'm coming down with some new commandments. Like, that's, that's not going to happen today, um, I, I, but I, I, I will, I, I'm confident that over the, like, for the rest of my life, um, that the sabbatical will come out. Like, like it, was, it was a profound experience for me, one in which I was uh, not prepared for some of the things that that happened to me um, as the Lord just really, during the entire time, he had my attention. And, and that's what I really tried to do, is just really focus on the Lord and see what he wanted me to see. And, and everything that was going on around me, um, as I was able to just slow down and, and back away and really focus on the Lord. And, and one word that sort of kind of wraps it up for me is overwhelming. <laughs> like, uh, and it started for me, before I left. And I wasn't prepared for this. I was really nervous. As I shared with you guys, I was nervous to step into this. I was nervous to be obedient, even though I knew uh, before I even accepted the position with this ministry that this is something the Lord wanted me to do when that time came. But I was nervous. I was nervous about what people would think. And, and, and it was just hard for me. And as I, as I stepped into it, man, one of the things that that I wasn't prepared for was how much love I felt from you guys. And, and it just blew me away. Like, I knew you loved me, and I, like, I'm not surprised by that, but it was just different. Like, it was, it was a different experience to have that, that coming from the body as you were embracing me being away on sabbatical. And so I want to thank you for that. I want you to know that I missed you. I want you to know that I was eager uh, to get back, and I don't feel, I didn't, never felt like, oh, Oh my, like, uh, we, like we got to go back. Like I never felt, felt that. As a matter of fact, it was so powerful. You can give Abby a hard time about this. Um, she asked me um, when we were on our, our, our trip together, just the two of us, she said, so, so like, do we do this every seven years? And I said, yeah, I think that's, that's the deal. She said, we stay in seven more years. <laughs> so it was a powerful experience for, for her as well. And I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to... Um, to the, uh, to the team, you know, for Shay leading uh, from the pulpit. It's hard work. Um, and I, man, I never had to worry about that. I knew he was going to be laboring and be in the word and give you a word from the Lord. And, and that's challenging. And, and I know that stretched him. And I, I know he now has an appetite for preaching. So prepare yourself to hear from Shay more. I know um, that in order for him to stay around, we're going to have to let him teach because I know as a preacher and teacher, man, when, when it's in you, you got to get it out. 
And if we don't let him get it out with us, he will go and get it out with some other people. So I have no desire for that. So prepare yourself to hear from Shay more often. Uh, going forward, I want to say thank you to Corey. Outstanding leadership from him. Never had to worry about things. They never called me. Um, nobody ever called me one time, which was awesome uh, to, to know that everything was in good hands. I came back and there was stuff remodeled, which kind of like, man, like, well, I had to kind of get over that, you know? And they did a great job, and that felt good to see men, uh, like, like, like they're doing things, and, and people got baptized. Like, man, what does a guy want to see when he's away from a church that he's been laboring in for seven years? He wants to see that, that the people, man, they're, they're following the Lord, and, and that it's not dependent upon you. And so thank you for that. I know that there are things that probably happened that that maybe I'll never know about, uh, that you guys did uh, from a lay perspective, just handling things. And so I am, I'm encouraged by that. I want you to know that I appreciate that. And thank you from the bottom of the, my heart for allowing me to experience this. And, and the Lord did say quite a few things to me. And again, they will come out like um, over the course of the year. I know that the, the Lord will use that stuff, but I'm, I'm still like writing things down because I just really was like listening to the Lord and, and trying to focus on what he wanted to say, what he wanted to do in my life. One, one cool thing about it, just from an experience standpoint, is I, I rode over 60 miles on a horse. That's a long way, man. Not in one day, okay, and not in one trip. And so, but, it, but it was really cool, like just, just to be out there, no distractions, listen to the Lord, let him speak to me, and, and he did his thing. So I wanted, before I said anything else, I want to say thank you for allowing me to have that experience. So now I want to get into the word. Uh, Shay left us off uh, with chapter 9, and he's talking about the summer of Samuel. And he's getting us lined up for what, how they're about to get their first king. And, and so we get to Saul, and what we're going to see is the fall of Saul. And man, this guy falls hard, and, it, and it's hard for us to kind of wrap our minds around it, but we're going to see that there is a hard fall in Saul's life. And, and, the, and we end in, in chapter 9, verse 27 is where we pick up, and this is an amazing thing. The Lord, like, like the, the scripture tells us, as they were going down to the edge of town, okay, so they, they, they found, like they know to go back, the donkeys are okay, they've met with Samuel, and, and so as they were, Samuel and Saul were going down to the edge of town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us, and the servant did so, but you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. Bam! <laughs> like, man, I'm going to give you a word straight from God. This is exactly what Samuel the prophet told Saul. So this was a big deal. And so he says, I have a word from God for you today. And what I want to encourage you with today is I have a word from God for you. And it comes right out of this story where Samuel gives the word of God to Saul. And we can look at the word and we can see how God wants to speak to us directly about how we're living our lives and what his expectation for us going forward is. And now, I used to play quite a bit of golf when I was a youth pastor. Before I started bow hunting, you can't really do both. They take too much time and too much money, okay? And so I had to give one up. But I used to golf a lot when I was a youth pastor, and I'd go with a, um, a couple of buddies, and, and, and man, <laughs> I had one buddy, uh, you'd hit the ball, boom, and I, when I hit the ball, and they'd go over in the trees. And I'd shake my head, and I'd look up, and he'd say, wherever you go, there you are. 
And so I'd get over the ball every time I'd hit it, and that's all. And still to this day, like I cannot hit a, a golf ball without thinking to myself, wherever you go, there you are. And the same is true in our faith. Wherever you go, there you are. And so we, we, we were worshiping today. Corey has done an excellent job in leading us before the throne and, and trying to get our minds ready to receive the truth of the word. And, and a lot of what he was saying and sharing is like, man, when the Lord has our attention, then he will lead us in this place. And wherever we go, there we are. And if we're not listening, guess what? Wherever you go, there you are. And when we look at Saul's life, um, we see uh, that, that, that a person, man, like the Lord starts doing this stuff. And we, we just, you read the story about Saul and you start scratching your head. Like, man, he just, he, he literally loses his mind. Like, he goes so far away from following the Lord that here he is, like, the, like God's doing something. He gets so far that he's calling on a, a witch to try to get information and bring Samuel back from the dead. And we'll see that later. And so how does a guy get this far? Like, how does he get this far away from the, from the Lord? And, and so when we look at it, we can see that it actually begins at the very start of his, his journey in this experience that we look at today. Like there's a pattern in his life. And it's amazing to me, the more that I study the word, the comparisons and contrasts that, that are lined throughout the Bible. And when we compare Saul with King David, uh, the, the second king of Israel, we see, man, we just see th these differences. We see both of the guys had stuff that's messed up in their life. Both of the guys um, had experiences of rebellion, but we see an attitude and a disposition. And we see that David understood wherever you go, there you are. And he chose to go the right places so the Lord could take him to the place that he needed to be. He often listened to the Lord. And Saul, he, he retreats away from it. And so when we look at this, um, we see the demise of faith always begins with doubt and or denial of truth. Like the demise of faith always begins when we doubt or deny the truth. So, so in Saul's life, we're going to see as we unpack chapter 10, which is all about him becoming the king of Israel, the most significant event in his life was, was this event right here that we're about to look at. And we'll see the pattern is already set. He's already chosen to go a certain direction. And as he goes that direction, we see his kingdom and his leadership goes there. And the entire time we see him spiraling out of control. And what we learn from him is we don't want to go the way that Saul went. And so let's just unpack chapter 10, and I'm going to read it to you and make some commentary along the way, and then I'll give you some uh, application at the end uh, of, of, the, uh, of the study. And so, that, so, so Samuel says, send the servant ahead. I want some one-on-one -on -one time with you, bro. I've got a word from God for you. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head, kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? Here's the word. The Lord has anointed you to be the king. Now, Israel was all caught up in wanting a king. Everybody in Israel wanted a king. They had they'd been talking about it. They were demanding it from Samuel, and Samuel goes through the process. And so they're all wondering, who is the king going to be? And Samuel, the prophet whom God is using to speak to the people, because the Holy Spirit did not indwell people like he does in our day and time. So the prophet played a crucial role, and he pulls Saul aside, and he says, the word of God for you today is is you are going to be the king of Israel. You're the dude. 
And after he tells him this, he says, when you leave me today, so here's the truth, you are going to be the king. And after you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. And they will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? He's like, Saul, you're going to like, like you are going to be the king. And here's some confirmation for you. As you leave, you're going to run into two dudes at this specific location. And they're going to tell you the donkeys have been found. And your dad is not worried about the donkeys anymore. He's worried about you. Then he says, you will go on from there and you will reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men. How many? Three men. Three men. Um, the, uh, will be going up to God. They're on their way to worship at Bethel and they will meet you there. One of those dudes will be carrying three young goats and another three loaves of bread and another a skin of wine. Like you, this is going to happen today, Saul. And when you encounter those guys, it says that they will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. First event, you're going to encounter these dudes, and they're going to tell you the donkeys have been found. Your dad's worried about you. Second event, you're going to encounter three dudes. One dude's going to have three goats. One dude's going to have three loaves of bread. One dude's going to have a skin of wine. They're going to greet you, and they're going to say, here, bro, here's a couple of loaves of bread, and you take them, Saul. And after that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. And as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, um, flutes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. And the spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them. And you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. That is a key verse in this passage of scripture. Do whatever, once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. And then he instructs him to go on ahead of, to, uh, of, him, uh, of me to Gilgal, and I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. So here's what's going on. Saul is, is pulled aside by Samuel, and he is anointed the king of Israel. This is the spiritual authorization of uh, his royalty as king of Israel. And so there is a spiritual side of God selecting it through the prophet. And there is a public side, which is the coronation and the crowning that he tells him to wait on. He says, you are the king. And once these three things happen and the spirit of God comes upon you in power and you begin to prophesy, do whatever your hand finds to do because the Lord is with you. It is confirmation of the prophecy that I am making over your life right now. And so all of these things take place. Um, the, the, the Lord sort of like just sets uh, the table for him. And what we see, and, and, and just, just real quickly before I go on and, and continue in the chapter, verse one is proclamation of the truth. Here's the truth. I'm proclaiming this truth over your life. Verses two through six are overwhelming um, confirmation and evidence of the divine truth. And so he's saying, this is how you know this is going to be true. And he says, you will meet two men at the location and they will say these words. And then verse three, three men at this location will have these things greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which I'm reminded of Jesus saying, when you pray, pray like this, our father, which art in heaven, um, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread. 
It is divine provision. He's showing Saul that he is going to provide for him. Like the dudes are walking down and they got the, the three goats and, the, and the, the three loaves of bread and the skin of wine and they just walk up to him and give him two loaves of bread. Why? Because God is saying, when you trust me and the proclamation of this truth, I've got your back. You don't need to worry about the things of the world. Set your mind on the things of Christ, the kingdom of Christ, and all these other things shall be added unto you. And so we see, we see God is communicating to that to them. And then in verse four, we see a, a place, he says to him in, in the fourth piece of evidence, at this place, a group led by worshipers will meet you. You will be changed. And then in verse seven, he says, God is with you. Go and run with God. And so the, the Lord sets the table. It all comes to pass. And so when we start in verse nine, we begin to see something significant happening as the, the, the writer gives us the information about this uh, uh, last piece of evidence about when he experiences the spirit of God coming over him. And so as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart and all these signs were fulfilled that day. And when they arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him and the spirit of God came upon him in power and he joined in their prophecy or they're prophesying. And when all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man who lived there answered, and who is their father? So it became a saying, is Saul also among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went, out, uh, uh, went to the high place. And so what we have here is, boom, this, this, this experience happens and in, in, in this saying about is Saul among the prophets. It is the equivalent of saying Saul, Saul got religion. <laughs> I remember, man, when I was 22 and I really like, man, I really turned over a, a decision for the Lord and said, I, I'm done. Like I'm done running from you, Lord. And, and like the, the, the truth of God was confirmed in my life. And I, I saw him speaking to me in a very powerful way through the people I was meeting, much like Saul. And I saw him speaking to me through the power of his word as I was in the New Testament. And God had my attention at that particular time. And I remember uh, some of the guys I worked with, I, I worked uh, in a grocery warehouse. Um, and, and so uh, it, it was a great job at the time for a bachelor. I was making good money. But I remember, man, um, that these guys would say, man, Jim Dunn got religion. <laughs> That's what happened to Jim. He done got religion, man. No, man, I... I encountered the Lord of the universe, the living God of the universe, and they, they, they were just saying it, not because so much the way I was acting, but how I, my life had just shifted, and I was just talking about, like, they, they were asking me what was going on, I just told them my story, and so here's, here's the equivalent of what's going on with Saul, is that, man, the Lord moved in his life. Now, watch this. Now, Saul's uncle asked him, because, like, word is going around, man. Something happened to Saul. So his uncle asked him, he says, where have you been? He says, looking for the donkeys. But when we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, very specifically, tell me what Samuel said to you. So Saul replied, he assured us that the donkeys had been found, but he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. This is uncle, man. The most significant day in his life. Well, he told us the donkeys were, were found. Nothing about the kingship. Remember the Lord, or, or Samuel said, 
After these things happen, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. And so Samuel summoned the people of Israel, and the story continues on, and we're getting to the um, coronation, the crowning, the public uh, announcement of who the king is going to be. He summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to them, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you, but you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your calamities and distresses and you have said, no, set a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. Okay, so here's what's about to happen. Like it is, it is this is the way they made decisions. Again, you have to understand the context of, of the teaching today. It is, pre, um, it is pre-Holy Spirit indwelling people. And so like when we see these people in the Bible and they go, man, like God did amazing things. There was a special anointing coming over their lives and purpose that the Holy Spirit would come over them and enable them to do incredible things. Like, like David slaying Goliath. Um, and so we, we see like Elijah calling down, uh, 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 you know, uh, able to cause, cause it to rain and so on and so forth. And Moses, like it's the spirit of God. And, and, and so w- whenever we look at this and we go, okay, well, they're about to make this decision. This is one of the things they would do. And they were instructed in Deuteronomy. And what God is doing is he is establishing not only for them, but for us today, the overwhelming evidence of his truth. They are establishing how they knew this was something from God because God is telling a story through the people of Israel. And that's what the nation of Israel being the chosen people of God are all about is God is telling a story to all of humanity, both believer and unbeliever, that this is who he is. And we look into the experiences they had and we're blown away by some of the stories. And so what they would do is the, the high priest had uh, uh, upon his, uh, uh, um, his garments, he had a sort of a scarf that was folded, a square that was folded in half. And inside that square was the Urim and the Thummim. Um, and, and, and what he would do is, is these were either made of stone or, or wood or, or bone or something of that nature with colors on them or, or numbers or something. And no, we don't know exactly what they did, but we know they did this. And, and they would cast, this is called casting lots. And so when they needed a yes or no answer, then they would bring these lots out, these, this Urim and Thummim, and they would, the high priest and, and the prophet, they would, they would be tossed. And so they brought the 12 tribes of Israel out. Like, like Samuel says, bring all the tribes out. And so all the representatives of the tribes came out and they started casting lots. Is it this tribe? No. 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 Is it the tribe of Benjamin? Boom. Yes, it is. And then they brought every clan out from the tribe of Benjamin. Is it this clan? No. Is it this clan? No. Is it this clan? No. Is it Kish's clan? Boom. Yes. Is it this son? No. Is it this son? No. Is it this son? No. Is it Saul? Yes. That's how, they, that's how the coronation and the choosing of the crowning of the king went down. And, and so when we look at it, it says, he brought all of the, the, the uh, tribes of Israel near and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan. Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was nowhere to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? This, like, he's already been told he's going to be the king. He had overwhelming evidence. He ran into all of these guys. These two dudes gave him bread. He ate the bread. No doubt he ate the bread. Like you don't walk that far and not eat bread. 
Like that's a, you're hungry. And that's like two dudes coming out of the drive-thru of, uh, of McDonald's and say, bro, here's two Big Macs. We got three. Like you're eating those things, right? I am. I don't know if you are. And so, so he's, he's, he's eating the provision of the Lord. And so it's this, like, and now they're doing all of this, this, this selection and this crowning and this public event. And when they say, is it Saul? Yes, it is Saul. Where is Saul? <laughs> like, no, nobody knows where he's at. And so they go to the Lord. Lord, is the man here? And this is the Lord saying this. Get this, man. The Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. He's hiding in the baggage with all the equipment. What is going on with this dude? And so they ran and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one among him like all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Like everybody's shouting, long live the king. And Samuel explained to the people the regulations of the kingdom. This is how this is to go down, guys, he says. Then he wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed the people, each to his own home. And Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some troublemakers said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts. Underline this, these, these four words. But Saul kept silent. Here's the way the kingdom ro rolls. He had already told them, he said, man, if you get a king, your, your sons and your daughters are going to serve his military. They're going to become his servants. You're going to have to give him stuff. Like this was said a few chapters ago. Like if you get a king, that's what's going to happen. These guys brought him no gifts and they were violating the very rule and authority of God. But Saul kept silent. Here's the takeaways. Doubt and denial always lead to dead faith. This is why the half-brother of Jesus, James in chapter 2, verse 17 says, faith without works is dead. Like to say you believe in God and do nothing is dead faith. And that's what Saul had. His faith was dead. And so when we look at his life and we see these patterns coming out in his life, here's what we learn. First of all, dead faith caused Saul to deny the opportunity to share his story. Of all people, his uncle comes to him and says, tell me what Samuel said. Man, this should have been burning in him like a fire. I can remember when the Lord got my attention and I was driving all the way home, man. And I was just thinking, man, what did the Lord just do to me as I nailed down a commitment to him? And I walked in my house and my brother was there. And, and at the time, he certainly wasn't living with the Lord. And, and he had a girl in my house at, at the time. And my roommate was there. And I walked in and they said, what's up, bro? And I said, man, I just made a serious commitment to Jesus. What? Yeah, man, you're not going to believe it. Like my heart was overflowing with joy. And so I couldn't hold it in. And so I just talked about it and I didn't preach at him or anything. I just told him and my brother was like, whoa. A week later, my roommate was on his knees in his bedroom, giving his life to Jesus. And I've been sharing that story ever since. This dude wouldn't share a story. And so we see that he had doubt. He wouldn't even share that the Lord had started moving in his life. Here's the second thing. Dead faith caused Saul to hide in the baggage during his coronation. 
He felt so inadequate that he hid in the baggage instead of believing God. That's what I see people doing a lot. Oh, I could never do that. The Lord couldn't use me to do that. <laughs> like, third thing, dead faith caused him to be silent. Instead of telling the opposition to get behind him and the Lord, he allowed them to question two things. First of all, his identity, and second of all, his authority. And that discouraged him. And that's why he spirals in, as we will see, he just spirals out of control. Listen, the, the, the enemy does the same thing to us. So let, let, me, let me tell you, like, the big idea. Don't go there. Wherever you go, there you are. Like, Saul is a model for us not to go there. Like, just don't go there. So here, here, here's the deal. We don't understand how this could happen after all the Lord did. But truthfully, this is happening every day, and it may be happening in your life, and you have the Spirit of God potentially indwelling you. You don't need the prophet. The Holy Spirit is the prophet in your life. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He has all the power in the world. He can be anywhere at any given time. He's at multiple places right now. He is in me, using me right now under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to preach this word to you right now. He is speaking to you in your life right now. You have the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit if you know him. And if you do not know him, you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit speaking to you about the truth that is being announced before you just like it was in Saul's life. So, so we have the announcement of the truth. We have the evidences. Does God give us any evidence? All the time. I am evidence of it. Why in the world would a guy like choose to go into a, a thing to try to make a living just where he stands up and tries to get people to come and volunteer and serve for free and give their money and build a kingdom? Who does that? Like not me unless Jesus has risen from the dead. Because I don't do it in my own power and strength. I do it because there is a calling on my life. And so we, we have the evidence of the church. We have the evidence of believers. We have the evidence of what's going on in our own lives. And so when we look at this, we have to realize, man, if I don't, if, if, if this is the case, I've got to look at my life and take some serious inventory and ask myself, what, where am I going? Am I going where Saul went? And let me give you real quickly, and I'll land this plane, some application. First of all, believe the truth. What did Jesus say in John chapter 3? If you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. In John chapter 3, verse 16, as he's in this divine conversation with Nicodemus, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What is the truth? The truth is we can know God through a relationship with Jesus Christ when we bow the knee and confess him as Lord. Like, that is the truth. And when, when we look in the scripture and we read the gospels and we study the gospels, we see that we can be born again and spiritually have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you are born again, you're born again, go there. You are not like everybody else in the world. If a person has not been born again and you have been born again, there is an incredible difference between you and them. And so you want to make sure that you realize this truth and own this truth and see that the Lord wants to do in your, a work in your life. Here's, here's the second thing, and it's based off of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, Peter says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And so he's saying, 
like, like as he's telling us to do this, he's saying, man, we need to be gentle and respectful. He's not telling us to be Bible thumpers. He's not telling us to beat people over the head. But this is what he is telling us. Number one, share your story. Like share your story. Be bold and take advantage of every opportunity to share your story. And if you don't have a story, then go back to the confirmation of the, the, the announcement and proclamation of the truth and believe what the Lord said and be born again. And that's your story. Like we all have a story if we know the Lord and nobody knows their story better than we do. And sometimes your story may be shared in 30 seconds. Sometimes it may be 30 minutes and sometimes it may be two hours and you need to be able to share it, whatever the case may be. And you ought to have your ears open and your eyes available looking and saying, when is the uncle in my life going to say, what did the prophet say? Who is the prophet in your life? The Holy Spirit. And what is, he, what is the story? The story is about your transformation when you're born again. The story is about how he has helped you through a difficult time in your life. The story is how he helped you get out of bed this morning and have a good attitude because you realized you had a bad attitude before and you laid it before the throne. And your story was is that he taught you you were being something other than what it means to follow Christ. That's your story. And you, you ought to have stories all the time. Men's stories ought to just be rolling out of your life. If Jesus is alive, you ought to be filled with stories. Amen. <laughs> okay, here's the second thing. Be available. <laughs> Learn, here, here's the thing, like, like, Paul, like Saul is hiding in baggage after all of this. And I've found that, that, that people often do the same thing. Like they hide in the baggage of their lives. Learn to count on the Lord's provision rather than your feelings of inadequacy. And we've been teaching a lot of people how to disciple. I can't do this. Get out of the baggage, bro. What makes you think that I can do this? I, you think I just stepped into this and go, oh, man, I can build a church. No, man, I was terrified, but I didn't stay in the baggage. Why? Because the Lord had made an announcement that I, is ch I was a chosen person that I was a son of the king based upon my relationship with Jesus, not based upon how gifted I was. And as long as you stay in the baggage, your life will be loaded with baggage, and it's no fun to live. Check that baggage in, man. Check it in with the Lord and realize you, all you have to do is be available, and the Lord will use you. Here's the third thing. Speak up. Never, or I guess that's the fourth thing, <laughs> never be silent when the enemy opposes the Lord and questions your identity and authority. Don't be silent. What did Jesus say? Peter said, man, this would never, Jesus said, man, I'm going to the cross. Peter said, I'll never let this happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Like he was not going to let the opposition slow him down. He knew who he was. He knew his identity. He knew his authority. And he was correcting Peter along the way. And so never let the enemy question your identity or your authority. Constantly hold on to what the Lord is doing in your life. Okay? So here's the thing, man. Go there. Like, go there. Don't, don't go where Saul went. Go, go where the Lord is calling you to go. Because remember, wherever you go, there you are. And the Lord wants to use you. And, 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 and honestly, man, when you start living this way, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like Shay said last week, you can be chasing donkeys anywhere 
And if you got your mind right and set on Christ, the Lord will be moving in the midst. And he will be growing you and stretching you. And you will be living out the destiny that he has for you to live. It's fascinating to me, and I'm excited to go through uh, this teaching and see the comparisons between um, Saul and David, because it's, it's just so obvious the difference in them. Even in this sermon, how Saul uh, is hiding in the baggage, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but, but when David comes and brings the supplies, what's he do? Drop them off and gets out front and hears about the opposition. He's never hiding. And so what I want to encourage you to do today is like, oh, man, like, what is the Lord trying to say to me today? Like, what is the Lord saying to you through the word today? Not, oh, man, I really, I really dig the, the sermon Jimmy preached today. I really like worship. Ah, man, I don't care. Like, all I want to know is, did the Lord say something to you today? Like, what is he saying to you individually about you? Like, what, what is he saying about Maybe there's something that just like, man, you just need to lay down for the Lord in your life. And I can, man, I can remember that tension, but I can also remember going, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I living this way? And then the freedom that came when I just finally just said, I'm done. I really believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And man, when I, when I really like just held on to that as an adult and said, I'm, I'm living this thing. Man, that's when I started living. And it, it dawned on me that I was dead, like I was walking around like a dead man before. And I've been living that way ever since. And I, man, I'm, I'm not like, I got, I got baggage and problems. Um, like, but I'm just making myself available and listening to the Lord and letting him lead me along this journey. I'm not hiding in that baggage. Uh, if I did, man, you, you, one of the most difficult things to do would be get up before you guys and preach a sermon. Like, who is holy enough to do that? Not me. But I don't do it in the power of Jimmy. Like, I'm standing in the assurance of who I am in Christ. And so as he's leading me along this journey, I'm living a life that is constantly blowing me away. What kind of life are you living today? Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.